Hello. It's good to be with you this morning. I've been gone for a couple of weeks. I appreciate the time away to spend with family. I got to officiate my oldest son's wedding. And yes, thank you. He's not my problem anymore. That was, um, yeah, I know, he still is, but... So that was great. I got to spend last week in some uh, classes and a program at Lipscomb University as well, so my brain is absolutely fried. Uh, Let me ask you to do something this morning. Let me ask you to cross your arms. Cross your arms, if you can. Okay, now just scowl, and now you're ready to listen to a sermon. You did it pretty quick. That's pretty amazing. My guess is that you cross your arms the same way every time. So why don't you try now to cross them the opposite way? How does that feel? Weird? A little uncomfortable? You probably never thought about it, have you? I know I hadn't. How about this? Take your hands, clasp your hands together like you're praying, you know. Bet you do that the same way every time too. Now this time, just move one finger over and reclasp in a different way. How does that feel? Weird? Uncomfortable? It's uncomfortable to do something differently, especially if you're doing something differently than everybody else around you, right? It's uncomfortable to stand out. But if we're going to be a people, as we've said through this series, who are trying to make the most of every moment with God, there will be moments we have to stand out. Uh, During this series called Here I Stand, uh, we've been looking at biblical characters and how they've been able to embrace moments with God, and we want to embrace those same kind of moments with God, moment by moment, not paralyzed by the past, not fearing the future, but with God right here and right now. And don't you want to meet God in each moment. Don't you want to meet this God who we just sang about, who's good, his love and power in this moment? Living in the present with God, though, it's going to require us at times to stand out. That was true in a moment shared by three men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. About 2,600 years ago, the, the uh, big bad bully on the block was a nation called Babylon. Babylon was the nation that was invading other nations. They were the one kidnapping and pillaging and doing all the things that you hear in the news about other nations today. They were the ones doing that. And God's people had f- wandered far away from God, from his covenant with them. So these kinds of foreign nations were now dominant in their life. A few Hebrew people had been mandated to serve a pagan king, and yet they insisted on worshiping the one true God. And so they stood out. Maybe in our constantly changing culture, maybe you feel the same pressure. If you insist on worshiping the one true God, if you really want to follow Jesus Christ today, you're going to have to take a stand from time to time, and my guess is you're going to have to stand out. Will you, is the question. The standing out of these Hebrews was nowhere as noticeable as on the plain of Dura. This morning I want to walk through their story with you in Daniel chapter 3. If you brought a Bible or have a digital Bible and want to follow along, we'll also have the verses on the screen. Uh, Let me walk through their story to determine how we can stand out 
for God's glory and a changing Springfield culture as well. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high, 6 cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Now, this is absolutely ridiculous, okay? This undisputed heavyweight king of the world decides to build a statue out in the middle of nowhere, a statue made of gold. We're not entirely sure what it looked like, but my guess is that it probably resembled the king on the one hand, and I bet it also resembled his God at the same time. Funny how that works, you know? He made it out of gold, Most likely because he had a dream in Daniel chapter 2 of a golden statue and the head of the golden statue was the head of the king. So now he makes that a reality. Talk about ego. And in those days, kings would build statues like this around their empires just to remind people who was in charge. In fact, uh, an ancient history writer named Herodotus describes uh, other large gold statues in Babylon at the time. One was of the god Bel, who was seated on a golden throne next to a golden table so large they reportedly used 22 tons of gold to build the statue. 22 tons is about 15 cars worth of gold or three adult male African elephants worth of gold. So Nebuchadnezzar's 90-foot statue was what every stylish king in the empire was trying to do. People would then be forced to offer sacrifices, you know, to show their honor and loyalty to the king and to his God. It was the original popularity test. Are you in with this king, with his God, or are you out? To be in was normal. To be out was scandal. I guess as you felt some of the discomfort in your life of being on the outs? Have you ever felt excluded? Ever felt cold-shouldered? Snubbed? Maybe some of you were the black sheep of your family. You know, everybody else seemed to get along just fine. You went a different direction. Maybe some of you were the, the lone person in the cafeteria sitting by yourself around the table. You know what it feels like. Maybe you saw on social media everybody going to this party, all the pictures, all the fun, and you weren't invited. That feeling is about as ridiculous in life as the size of the statue in the story. 60 cubits high, 6 cubits wide. That's like a 10-foot or 10-story tall human statue, 10 stories tall, 10 feet wide. This ridiculous monstrosity is unstable. It's out in the middle of nowhere, but still. Verse 2, Nebuchadnezzar summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. All the coolest people are there. So, all these cool kids assembled for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Now, what do you think is going through their minds? This massive image, massive statue. Well, according to some scholars, there was a, a rebellion in the Babylonian Empire in Nebuchadnezzar's 10th year, and some scholars placed this episode after that rebellion. The king is looking for loyalty from his people. And everybody is standing before this giant statue. 
what would be going through your mind? Then, verse 4, the herald proclaimed loudly, nations and peoples of every language. It's just not the cool kids. It's every person. This is what your command is to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. Well, that's nice. Nebuchadnezzar has crafted an orchestra of all the finest musical instruments in the entire empire. And here's the deal. When the band starts a rocking, your knees better start knocking. And if not, you go into a furnace. Well, that's weird, right? A furnace? Well, keep in mind, they're out in the middle of nowhere, right? And they're out on this plain in the middle of nowhere. And the only thing that are around are these furnaces that they have built in order to bake bricks, in order to melt gold for this image. Uh, They were probably shaped like a beehive that would have an opening at the top for the smoke to come out, a door in the side that would enable people to bring things in to this furnace. And they got hot. They got really hot. The, The temperature could be maintained somewhere between 1,600 and 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit, but with all of its power, they could get those ovens up to about 2,800 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, think about this for a moment. How hot does it have to be, for instance, to melt the lead in a pencil? Think about that for a second. So if you're sitting next to somebody, take a guess. How many degrees Fahrenheit do you think it has to be to, to melt lead? about 300 degrees. You could do it at home in your stove. You could try that this afternoon if you're bored, you know. 300 degrees. Uh, What would it take to melt uh, an aluminum can? Any ideas on that? Take a guess if you know. It's about 1,200 degrees Fahrenheit. 1,200 degrees. How about uh, silver, like silver earrings, something like that? How hot would it have to be to melt that? That would be about 1,700 degrees Fahrenheit. Gold necklace, about 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. And then you get all the way maybe to something like a steel rod. That would take about, oh, about 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit. That's how hot these furnaces could get. So imagine, you know, a furnace this hot, already blazing, smoke billowing out of its top, and Nebuchadnezzar says, you don't bow, you go in. And he wasn't joking. In Jeremiah chapter 29, this same Nebuchadnezzar sent a couple of men to their death by burning them to death. This is a real moment of decision, where standing out means scorching to death. Uh, Therefore, verse 7 As soon as they heard the sound of the orchestra, all these musical instruments, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Sure, because anything less would be really uncomfortable, right? At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. The word denounced literally means to eat the pieces of. I like the translation, they chewed them up and spit them out. 
They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty has decreed, issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of all this orchestra must fall down and worship the image of gold and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon and then he names them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Three men stood out. Now again, let's envision this together. Let me invite you. Would you stand up for just a moment? If you can. Stand up for just a moment. Let's see. I'm going to have Eric and Christy and maybe Phil. Okay, you guys stay standing and everybody else have a seat. Okay. weirdos. Could you imagine? Could you do it? Okay, thank you, my brave, brave Christian friends. They stood out. Verse 13, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned these three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up. Now, when you hear the sound of the orchestra, all the instruments, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. He gives them a second chance. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? That's the question we all have to ask. What God is able to rescue you? That's our choice. Who will you stand out for? The power that everybody recognizes in the moment, the threat that you face, or an unseen God, an unseen Savior named Jesus? I I know it's a church worship service. I know it's real easy to answer it right here. Oh, we know who we choose. But every day... In the thick and thin of life, this is not always an open and shut case for everybody. When the boss comes to you and says, fudge the numbers in that report or find another job, that's a real threat. You could lose income, you can lose stability, you can lose face. But if you do it, what else do you lose? You're with a group of friends or a party, and they say, hey, Drink this, eat this, smoke this, sniff this, take this. It's fun. And if you do it, everybody in the party's your friend. And if you don't, they roll their eyes, they shake their heads, and your popularity plummets. But if you take it, what else do you lose? Your friend says to you, listen, follow your heart. I know you're married, but don't let your marriage commitment get in the way of your identity. Love who you love. And if you do, a whole community of people named with initials will clap and welcome you in. If you don't do it, well, pity on you. What God will be able to rescue you Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, 
King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. He's able and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Wow. Now notice what they do. These young men don't fight back. They don't cross their arms and scowl like you all did a few minutes ago. They don't argue. They don't apologize. They don't create a spectacle like the king did with his music and his statue. We are tempted to do all those things when people come against us in our faith. They don't do that. What do they do? They stand out from everyone else in their choice. Their minds were made up. No matter what happens, we choose our God who is able. Okay, do you hear their story? Do you see their stand? Now, for us in Springfield, to stand out for us is to recognize a few things. First of all, it's to recognize just because something is trending doesn't make it true. Just because everyone seems to be doing it doesn't mean it's good or right or holy or beneficial for you. Just because you saw it on Fox News or on CNN doesn't make it true and right. Just because every American spends four hours a day on their phone doesn't make it good for you. Just because, goodness, your whole friend group thinks that getting smashed at Harry's adult daycare on the weekend is a fun activity doesn't mean you need to join in. Popularity doesn't keep its promises. Just ask my friend Jamie. We, um, we went to junior high school together back in the Stone Ages. He was so much fun. We had such a great time. We play basketball together after school on the basketball courts. You know, we, uh, our friend group would get together. We'd play the board game Risk on Friday nights and drink as much Dr. Pepper as the Cork family would stock in their house. We battled over Nintendo. We laughed. We joked together. And in case you couldn't tell, we weren't cool. But I remember one weekend, Jamie went out with some other friends who were cool. And uh, pretty soon, they were, you know, doing all the things that the cool kids were doing. They, they smoked cigarettes behind the football bleachers after school. They went camping on the weekend so their parents wouldn't know they were really drinking beer. They went too far with girls. Pretty soon, we didn't see Jamie much anymore. Just wasn't around our friends. He was one of the popular kids. I kind of lost touch with Jamie in high school, and then after high school, I hadn't heard from him. Uh, really, I hadn't heard from him for about 20 years. And then out of the blue one day, I got a phone call from him. And, uh, you know, I picked it up, and we started talking. It was great. He was just chit-chatting, telling me he got married, he had kids, all these things. He told me then, he said he started going to church. In fact, he was teaching Sunday school at church. I was shocked. I thought, that's That's great. And we talked a little bit about high school. We talked about his faith in Jesus. He talked about um, how he had seen that faith in our friend group first in high school way back when. And mostly we talked about how he regretted chasing popularity back in those days because popularity did not pan out for him. It rarely does. Because just because, just because something is trending doesn't make it true. 
I often think of the situation of Jesus in John chapter 6. I don't know if you remember, Jesus is creating a gathering of people. He's discipling people. He's preaching to them. And he comes to this really difficult sermon in John 6 where he says things like, just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This was a tough sermon for Jewish ears. It was tough for them to digest, pun intended there, And so John tells us, from this time, many of his disciples, not just the crowd, his disciples, those closely following him, turned back and no longer followed Jesus. You do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Do you want to leave him too? Forty million Americans have left the church in the last 25 years. 40 million. Do you want to leave too? Because following Jesus is not trending right now. Every person in the Babylonian Empire fell to their knees when the band played. Except three. Could you give me some of the names of the people who bent their knee in Babylon 2,000 years ago? Guessing not. Who do we remember? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The trending thing wasn't true. Do you hear their story? Do you see their stance? I mean, for us to stand out in Springfield, we also need to heed the warning don't tackle life alone. How many stood out? Three. They were friends. They were people sharing the same faith. They were able to encourage each other, even when their lives were on the line. You need friends like that, not just Facebook friends, face-to-face friends. It's always funny to me that animals in the animal kingdom know they need to stick together, but somehow we humans think we can do it alone. We even have names for groups of animals. You know some of these, right? What do we call a group of sheep? They're a flock, right? What do we call a group of wolves? Pack of wolves. How about a group of lions? What's that called? Pride. How about a group of geese? A nuisance is what we call that around here. (laughs) Gaggle. Gaggle of geese. How about fish? You know that one? Okay, and then they get real creative with some other animals. How about zebras, a group of zebras? You know what that's called? There's some different names. A zeal of zebras or a dazzle of zebras. That's kind of interesting. I like skunks myself, a group of skunks. You know what they're called? A stench. That fits. How about a group of sharks? You know what they're called? A shiver, a shiver of sharks. Porcupines, they're called a prickle. A prickle of porcupines. My favorite, though, I think, are rhinoceroses. A group of rhinoceroses is called a crash. A crash. What do you call a bunch of Christians? A church. A church. So who do you know in this church that you can spend time with? 
that can challenge you, that you can stand out with. It's uncomfortable to be left alone. We don't want anybody here left alone. So today, maybe it's important for you to ask somebody into your life. Maybe it's important for you to be that somebody in someone else's life here. Find your Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Don't do life alone. Have you heard their story? Have you seen their stand? Because if so, to stand out together in Springfield is to commit finally to choose God no matter what. I hate to tell you the end of the story if you don't know it, but they threw those boys into the furnace. In fact, the furnace was so hot, the soldiers who took them to the furnace, the soldiers died in the furnace. But the three who were put in the furnace didn't even singe a hair. And the king, Nebuchadnezzar, when he looked at the three in the furnace, saw a fourth with them. There are moments when we will get tossed into the flames. You may not understand that. You may not want that. You may be by yourself in that, but God will always meet you there. These men knew that even when they said, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, but even if he does not, we want you to know that we will not serve your gods. They chose God no matter what. Just like Peter, when Jesus vulnerably asked, watching all these people walk away from him, when he vulnerably asked, you do not want to leave me too, do you? And Simon Peter stepped up and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Those disciples chose God. They chose Jesus no matter what. Will you? Standing out today means choosing And even if faith, choosing God, even if everything falls apart, even if your finances fall flat, even if the guy you really like doesn't give you the time of day, even if you aren't living in the family of your dreams, even if you don't feel like it should feel in your mind, choose God even if. Just ask Polycarp. Tradition has it that he was discipled into Jesus by the Apostle John himself. He later became a leader in the church, a bishop in modern-day Turkey. He led the church. He taught about Jesus. But at age 86, the Roman officials were fed up, and they came to arrest him for his faith. His enemies asked, what harm is there in saying Caesar is Lord and burning a little incense? Why won't you do that? He refused. So he waited for the soldiers at a small estate outside of town. And when the soldiers came, his friends said, run, get out of here. Here they come. He refused. The soldiers came in. He offered them some food, something to drink. And while they were eating, he said, do you mind if I pray while you eat for an hour? And they said, sure. And he prayed for two hours. And finally, they arrested him and they took him to the local proconsul to a fellow named Stadius Quadratus who interrogated him in front of a crowd of people about his faith and his treason against the empire. And, and Polycarp was unfazed by the interrogation, which made Quadratus lose his temper. He threatened him. He said, I will feed you to the animals. I will burn you at the stake. And Polycarp told him that while his fire lasts only a little while, the fires of judgment last forever. Do what you will, he said. Polycarp was sentenced and was taken into the arena to be killed. And supposedly, um, he heard a voice that came to him. He believed it was a voice from heaven that said, Be strong, Polycarp, and play the man. 
I like that. Play the man. Thousands of people in the arena shouting at him, screaming at him, wanting him to die. The proconsul urged him, give up Christ and I will set you free. Polycarp stood out and he played the man. He said, 86 years I have served him and he's done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? They built a wood pile. They put him on it. He prayed out loud. They lit the fire and his body was consumed. Witnesses said, inside the fire, he looked not like flesh that is burnt, but like bread that is baked or gold and silver glowing in a furnace. And we smelled a sweet scent like frankincense, frankincense or some precious spices. Polycarp died for his faith. He stood out. God did not rescue him from that furnace, but he chose Jesus even if he does not save him from the flames. You know the story now. You've heard, you've seen the stance. So when the moment arrives for you, will you stand out? Father, thank you for walking with us even through the valley of the shadow of death. And Lord, whatever that means for us this week in conversation, at work, at home, whatever that means, Lord Jesus, if there are moments for us which we must stand firm, stand out, where we may need to play the man, play the woman whose hearts are on fire for you, Lord, give us the courage through your spirit to stand out, to do it for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.